Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to the very first episode of Wealth Manager's brand new podcast series, S Club, in which we'll be diving into the world of social impact investing. Each episode, we'll be chatting to a different fund selector who specializes in picking funds which aim not only to generate sound financial returns, but also to generate positive outcomes on people, the wider community, and the planet. To kick things off, we're joined today by Louisiana Salga, Senior Sustainability Specialist at EQ Investors. Louisiana, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, could you kick us off with a little overview of your role in the world of impact investing and, and in ESG as a whole? Yeah, of course. And thanks, Russ, for inviting me. It's great to be here today. So, um, yeah, as you said, I'm Louisiana. Uh, I work as a senior sustainability specialist at EQ Investors. And if you're not totally familiar with what we do at EQ, we're a boutique wealth management business that is very much focused on providing sustainable investment portfolios. So that's kind of what we do. And my general responsibilities in that field include um, innovating our sustainable product range, so our different portfolios. Also, I'm very much involved in impact measurement and reporting, as well as uh, fund sustainability due diligence and the engagement to drive positive change on an ongoing basis. Brilliant. Okay. And then to just kind of start off with an open-ended question, um, what is ESG investing to you then? Do you think of it as, as a theme, as a sector, or as a risk management framework? Um, what is ESG investing to you? It's a kind of a kind of technical question right away. Um, basically, I think ESG investing to me is neither an asset class or a theme. It's actually a term that kind of covers a whole suite of investment strategies which share the common thread of incorporating environmental, social, and governments information into the decision-making uh, process, really. And um, it can take different forms. So just for example, a fund manager may choose to invest only in ESG leading firms within an in industry, which kind of means that you're investing in the most responsibly run uh, companies within each industry. Or a fund manager may simply use ESG information to price in risks in their financial modeling. And both of these are ESG investing strategies, but obviously carry quite different objectives. So my key kind of takeaway from that is that um, you should really kind of dig under the ESG investing umbrella because there's a variety of objectives there uh, and make sure that that's um, what your, you know, your clients should or want to be exposed to. And I think just kind of adding to this, uh, which is quite relevant to our discussion today on social impact investing, um, ESG is really predominantly focused on firms' operations and doesn't really cover the real-world impact of core business models or products and services. So in my view, if you're going to invest sustainably, um, you need to consider both ESG um, and the core products and services um, of a business um, in your evaluations. And I guess the um, investment category of impact investing adds that kind of extra element and that holistic view on sustainability. Okay, excellent. And as you said there today, we're going to be focusing on mainly the S in ESG and um, mm -hmm. to go even deeper into it, social impact investing. Um, but do you think the S in ESG gets enough attention compared to the E and the G? And within that, are there any areas within the S that you think deserve more attention? Because obviously it's quite an open-ended term, you know? Yeah, of course. Um, well, I guess as background, you know, at EQ Investors, we assess fund managers on the E, S and G um, separately for exactly that reason. Um, traditionally, we realize that fund managers' attention has really much been much more focused on the government's factors, with uh, the E and the S only coming into play seriously um, in 
the more recent years, really. So therefore, overall, yes, I don't totally think uh, social considerations should get more attention. Um, in 2020, I think in terms of what, what type of areas need more attention, I think for us, 2020 and the COVID crisis has really, you know, shown a new light on the importance of in maintaining employee welfare and health and safety in the workplace. And then additionally, the Black Lives Matter movement has also refocused our attention on institutionalized inequalities experienced by people of color. So these two kind of themes um, are something that we'd like more attention on across the board. Having said this though, I guess my last point on this is that I don't want to generalize too much because of course the emphasis that an investment analyst should put on a specific social issue depends on what um, company they're looking at and what industry they're looking at. So not every social issue is equally as relevant. Um, so to give an example, um, for example, employee safety, looking at employee safety is a lot more relevant to um, industries with really labor intensive supply chains rather than a, let's say, software business operating from a really fancy office. So um, that's kind of the difference that I would make. And so, yeah, overall, I'd love to see more emphasis on S, but the nuance still needs to um, come into play with a focus on materiality. Okay. And then to go a little bit deeper into this, social mm -hmm. impact investing, what does social impact investing set out to achieve? What are its goals? Yeah, so... Um, social impact investing really takes the intentionality of investing a bit further than ESG investing. So impact investing has the objective to create material, measurable, positive, real impacts on unmet social and environmental needs. And uh, most types of social impact investing also necessitate a financial return. So in that way, impact investing, just like the EQ positive impact portfolios that we manage, really are managed under this dual mandate maximizing risk-adjusted performance for investors, but also at the same time, maximizing positive impacts on people and planet. Um, and what is often used here and kind of relevant to the discussion is uh, the UN Sustainable Development Goal Framework, which by many impact investors is kind of used as an overarching framework to define the world's most pressing needs. Um, and therefore that's where really capital flows of social impact investors should be dedicated towards. And that's the overarching goal, I guess, to you know use capital flow, uh, flows to provide solution to these um, UN goals. Okay, and um, on that then, so what, what would the biggest hurdle to these goals being achieved be? Yeah, um, there's, there's lots. I mean, obviously I work in this all the time and I'm really passionate about kind of driving it into the mainstream. But what I can see is like two main hurdles. One of them being um, that there's still a misconception around uh, whether you can achieve a competitive financial return while also investing in businesses and projects that create these positive outcomes on people and planet. And that kind of idea still seems quite wild to many investors and is preventing some charities, some individuals, and also pension funds from really targeting this type of uh, sector in the financial services industry. But actually, you know, market evidence is increasingly showing up that you can, in fact, you know, have your cake and eat it. Uh, and um, what we've seen at EQ, the EQ Positive Impact Portfolios have been, managing, been managed for eight years under this draw mandate, and they've consistently outperformed their benchmarks. So, as I said, you know, it's a hurdle still, but um, market evidence is kind of amounting now, and we're, we're getting more comfortable with that. 
And then the second one, the second hurdle, I think, is um, that the investable universe uh, may have been a slight hurdle to maximizing impact over time. So to give a bit more background on this, you know, retail clients really need liquidity. And that means that they cannot really access some of the most impactful investments out there because they happen in private markets. Um, however, again, here, uh, that's a hurdle, but there is innovation going on. So, um, for example, we've recently supported the launch of uh, Schroeder's Big Society Capital Social Impact Trust, IPO, which very simply put, um, basically gives retail investors for the first time access to these specialist private high impact funds and social outcome lending, which is really great to see because essentially it's opening up market opportunities that um, that are really high impact to retail investors that previously were kind of inhibited from accessing those. So um, that's that. Yeah, okay. And I think especially on your first point there, I think the performance speaks for itself. <laughs> but whenever, yeah. whenever you're picking a social impact fund or a fund to put in your impact portfolio, are there any particular social issues you look for that you want fund managers to consider? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, first and foremost, because we do kind of use the UN SDGs as our framework, what we like to see is kind of dedicated social impact strategies aligned with these more socially focused UN SDGs. So while we've seen, you know, lots of environmental impact strategies launched, uh, so this space is a li little bit more advanced, but we still kind of are missing a bit more um, in terms of the investable universe and the funds that we um, have to choose from is pure social impact themes, such as, you know, education, access to financial services, access to affordable housing, et cetera, et cetera. So this is something that we're kind of looking for in the market out there at the moment and engaging with lots of fun houses to see how we can launch these things um, and then get access to it. But then more generally, um, in regards to the social issues that our fund managers should integrate in their evaluation, this again kind of depends on the strategy um, because different social issues are more important to different strategies. So let's say for healthcare focused fund, um, we would expect, you know, um, social issues to be considered like drug safety and accessible pricing uh, versus for a different type of strategy, others might be more appropriate. Um, but overall, I think what is important to say, like, what have we engaged on? What did we think is missing? What are some fund managers, you know, where could they improve? And in the last year, our key focus has really been on diversity and inclusion, particularly gender and ethnic diversity in management. And then also something that we've basically seen uh, kind of neglected by some responsible investment managers, which is the topic of nutrition. Uh, when you're looking at food and health space, um, food and agriculture, sorry, because often your uh, fund managers focus very much on price point and stuff like that. But um, therefore, that, that has been a really key um, focus for our engagement and driving kind of change into them considering nutrition more and in their investment analysis, because obviously the obesity crisis is kind of a real serious social challenge at the moment. Okay, and just to take that as an example, Louisiana, you mentioned nutrition, for example. How do you then expect a fund house or fund manager to measure the impact that their investments are having on that mm -hmm. example, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, it's a really tricky one. Um for I mean, if you're if you're looking at impact investing best practice, uh, impact measurement is very much a key criteria to be a um best in class impact um, manager, impact investment manager. But the problem that we're still having is that um 
impact investors like us or um, the fund managers that we select, they are constrained by the disclosure that the underlying companies give them. So uh, what we are doing is very much pushing uh, fund managers to apply best practice where possible. And we use the impact management projects work, for example, or uh, the gin the impact investing kind of um, characteristics. But um, again, this is kind of upheld by the disclosure by the underlying companies and the detail that is, um, I guess, suggested by the best practice frameworks often can't actually be implemented. And therefore, even though we are engaging to um, implement best practice where possible, we are also kind of plausible. We take we take kind of a balanced approach uh, and try to see what we can do using the data out there. And just to give you an example, how we do this at EQ even is that um, we do our own impact measurement um, in our annual report uh, for the portfolios. And how we do this is we dig into every single company or bond holding in the funds in our portfolios. And um, we collect impact metric data from you know reports and accounts, uh, anything that we can find that really describes the positive impact that their products and services are having. And then um, for the most commonly reported on metrics, we're able to aggregate those and basically give our investors or our clients a approximation of the associated impact with the amount invested. And as you can imagine with, you know, being a fund selector, therefore having hundreds and hundreds of underlying actual securities, that's quite a big, big project. But we think it's this hugely important thing um, to kind of drive positive change on because if we're demanding our fund managers to do it, they're demanding the companies to do it. Overall, uh, we're going to improve um, disclosure and reporting. So that's kind of our end game. Yeah, it certainly sounds like, like a massive undertaking. But as you said, one that's very important and worthwhile. Um, one thing in the kind of whole impact and I guess the wider ESG space that I've seen a lot of concern about is inauthenticity. So, you know, a lot of people just whacking an ESG label onto their fund and watching the inflows, you know. So mm-hmm. have you ever dropped or avoided a fund in the kind of social impact space due to inauthenticity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. Um, totally. I mean, the last two years you would have seen, you know, flows of um kind of surge in a sustainable investing space and also just random uh, strategies being launched with impact in their name, SDG in their name, all of that. So uh, to cut things short, yes, we definitely have avoided uh, picking funds because of inauthenticity. And that kind of comes out of our due diligence. So you really do need to dig deep uh, into the underlying holdings, into the front process, into the resources that the managers employ uh, to kind of find out where the real objectives are and whether they're actually being implemented. Have we dropped the fund because of inauthenticity? Mm, I mean, I don't really think that we have because they wouldn't really be on our buy list in the first place. But we have dropped funds because um, of because their philosophy and their investment process didn't really evolve with the rapidly evolving best practice. So they're not necessarily unauthentic, but they just didn't evolve with where we'd like them to be. Uh, Or also, we've also dropped them because fund managers were kind of unresponsive to our engagement on that front. You know, we've been trying to push and tell them where they're lagging compared to their peers, but if they're not moving, we're not really shy to um, divest. Um, And we've done that multiple times. Okay, very interesting. And just to move things over to to the client side then, which social issues do clients speak about the most? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, overall, if I'm honest, um, 
we're talking about social issues totally. Um, however, it's actually been environmental issues that most most clients are interested in. I mean, I think most clients are really keen on climate change. They're very, very concerned and they want to invest in those companies are contributing to solutions to um, um, climate mitigation, climate change mitigation. But if I'm thinking about um, social issues for one second, I think especially 2020 events have really focused clients' concerns on the inequalities that exist in healthcare access because it was made quite obvious by the pandemic's kind of uneven effects on different socioeconomic mm. groups and, you know, ethnic groups that, that there is something where efficiencies are not really maximized and where really change can happen. So yeah, therefore, therefore you know, healthcare inequalities, that's a key kind of concern for them. Um, and then also generally, you know, clients being concerned about in reducing inequalities overall. So whether it be education, housing, access to finance or technology, um, there's just a greater concern of, you know, we're kind of a global community and just a greater concern that they want to reduce in inequalities on, in the global space. So that's where we see most clients kind of engaging on. Um, and we build our portfolios to that extent. You know, we engage um, to 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 that outcome as well. Okay, interesting. I think, you know, all three of those issues you just mentioned are so mm -hmm. important. Just on the first one, environment, um, mm -hmm. I know this is where it gets a bit messy, but would you not say that environmental issues are social issues? Oh yeah, no, totally, absolutely. I mean, if you think about climate change, for example, it has absolute direct inputs, well, physical inputs on uh, food supply, water supply, as well as, you know, actual human settlements on the oceans of um, if um, sea levels rise, temperatures rise, I mean, it's it's uh, it's inevitably linked. Many people say that, you know, the refugee crisis in Europe is very much linked to changing climates uh, in the Middle Eastern re regions and so on. It's totally uh, all connected. And that's why I think the Sustainable Development Goals is such a great framework because they help you connect um, and they kind of help you understand sustainability in its holistic uh, nature. Yeah, of course. Okay, so just to wrap us up then, um, what would your top three fund picks be for their social impact? Yeah, so uh, I obviously had a little think about this. So I think, first of all, um, I think I want to kind of stress that the Schroeder's Big Society Capital Impact, uh, Social Impact Trust again, that I mentioned earlier, uh, as I said, you know, we recently participated in the IPO and I'm really kind of excited about the concept um, kind of to recap this, um, basically the vehicle provides, um, you know, private sector impact investments um, covering three themes, affordable housing, social outcome contracts and social enterprise loans. And these are themes that previously have been very much inaccessible for the average retail investor and now they aren't anymore. So this is a fantastic kind of new vehicle that we've um, kind of been uh, engaged with pre-launch and for for a long time getting it off the ground and getting it up to scratch with best practice as I said before um, yeah so I think uh, it's kind of not only is the vehicle exciting in itself but it kind of proves the concept which is great um, and then second of all second fund I'd like to highlight is um, uh, Columbia Threadneedle UK Social Bond Fund which is one of the first bond funds uh, in the UK focusing on positive social outcomes in the UK market 
um, and it still really much delivers on its objectives, you know, provides exposure to affordable homes, quality employment, reducing inequalities through um, charity bonds, for example. So this is great as well and also part of our uh, portfolio for a long time now. And then the third fund um, I'd like to highlight is another one that we've recently passed through our due diligence. So this is kind of hot off the press. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and we've also been consulting with them for, for a while. So it's the Aberdeen Standard Sustainable Development Emerging Markets Fund, uh, also recently launched this year, I think. Uh, and again, you know, most of, as I said earlier, most of the unmet social needs are in emerging markets and are in developing markets. And this fund has really made this a clear objective to target, you know, companies providing solutions to these unmet needs. Uh, and therefore, I think, and it also definitely, I mean, this is really important. It really follows one of the most ambitious sustainability investment processes out there, um, kind of ticks the, you know, best practice boxes. Um, so, yeah, we're excited to get investing there too, uh, soon. Excellent. Thanks, Louisiana. Um, and that brings our first ever episode of S Club to a close. Louisiana, thank you so much for your time. It has been great to talk to you. Thank you so much, Ross. And thanks to those who have listened in, and I will see you soon for episode two. 